You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Uh, Today, we're uh, in part two. Last week, I talked about how he still answers by fire, and we looked at the story of Elijah, familiar story, but a story really of revival, of of seeing a nation that was at that time very far from God, uh, which had experienced three and a half years of of a drought and then a famine because of that drought. But their greatest need wasn't rain. Their greatest need wasn't even the the earthly condition. It was that they needed a heart change. They needed to experience revival. They needed to come back to God. And uh, they had up to this point been pursuing and worshiping Baal, which was a a counterfeit master, a lesser master, one that was an idol, a statue, an image made with by human hands uh, that they worshiped and called on to bring the rain. But as we saw last week, Baal could not answer and could not speak. There was no answer and no one paid attention. But uh, as we continue the story today, of course, God uh, answered Elijah's prayer and fire fell down from heaven and the nation uh, cried out to God and, and returned to the Lord. And in fact, uh, 850 prophets of Baal uh, and, and another God were actually put to death in that moment as the nation turned to God. Uh, and, and we're going to go to the next part of the story. But uh, as we go there, 1 Kings 18, I want to start at the beginning. 1 Kings 18.1 says, It came to pass after many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. This is the third year of not a drop of, of water, not a drop of rain. A third year now of experiencing the conditions that, they're, that they've, they've walked through. It says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Go and present yourself now to Ahab. He's the king of Israel, the one who led Israel into compromise. And it says, I will send rain on the earth. And Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. See, the lack of rain caused an adverse condition, which was a famine, and that was desperate. The people for three and a half years are at the place where they have no other options. They've run out. They've dry, they become dry. The word in Hebrew for drought literally means to be scorched. And it's this picture of what happens whenever you and I uh, experience something that we become dry. We become empty. We become burned out. Uh, it's true that sometimes just going about the normal course of life, we become emotionally unempty. We become spiritually disconnected. Our relationships dry up, and we become isolated and alone or confused. We, our relationships and even our marriages sometimes come to a place of spiritual and emotional and relational dryness. And even in our faith, we can come to a place of drought. But if uh, you're taking notes, here's our title today, and this is what I believe you're called to be, is you're called to be a drought breaker. See, it's one thing to react to the conditions, It's one thing to talk about how bad it is and experience how dry it is, but God never called you and I to just live in drought, to just exist in drought. He called you and I to bring rain. He called you and I to be like Elijah and to be drought breakers. And we're going to see in a moment how Elijah does this. But I just believe in any condition, in every place. In fact, the Bible actually tells us of of a different kind of famine. In Amos chapter 9, in a similar culture and climate, uh, that Elijah's generation was in, Amos said this, and this is the condition, or excuse me, chapter 8, verse 11, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land. But it's not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but it's of hearing the words of the Lord. 
God was letting them know that all the things they had pursued that had left them empty, that they were going to experience a famine, but it wasn't for food, it wasn't for bread or water, but it was actually going to be a disconnection, that they were going to come to a place of recognizing a desperation that they needed to hear a word from God. In fact, I think the greatest need, Jesus pointed to it when he quoted the book of Deuteronomy, when he says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You were created to know the word of God. You were created to hear the voice of God. You were created to live by what God has said. And in this moment, God speaks to Elijah and he said, there's gonna be rain on the land. And it was off of that one word that Elijah goes before Ahab. And in a moment, we'll see, it's based on that one word that God would call Elijah to pray, rain back in to the nation. And I believe that one word can change everything in your life. You don't need everybody to like you. You don't need every opinion to agree with you. You don't even need the situation to change yet. You just need one word from God. One word from God can change every situation. One word from God can change your history. One word from God can change your family. One word from God can feed your soul and strengthen your life. Isaiah 58, verse 11, the Lord will guide you continually. Do you need direction today? That's God's promise. In a relationship with Jesus and giving God your yes as you begin to follow him, God's promise is that he will guide you continually and satisfy your soul even in drought. See, you know, too many times we're victims of our circumstance. Even as Christians, we look at the culture and how far things seem to be going from God and people are running off a cliff. And we look at that and yet we oftentimes react to how bad it is and think that's what determines our future. But he says, I'll satisfy your soul in drought. God always is making a difference. God's always setting his people apart. God's always doing something. He'll bless you right in the middle of inflation. <laughs> Come on, church. He'll, 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 he'll give you favor in the middle of all your critics. He'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He'll heal you in the midst of a diagnosis that says terminal. He'll, he'll provide a way where there seems to be no way. One word from God can change everything. He says, and satisfy your soul with, in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a well-watered garden, a spring of water whose waters do not fail. In other words, God's answer to drought around you and even more importantly, drought inside of you is God to refresh your life. God to rebuild, restrengthen. And maybe that's where you're at today. If you're honest with yourself and God, you might feel burnt out. You might feel emotionally, spiritually, relationally at the end of yourself and you feel like you're in a, a condition that would just be described just like this, a drought, a famine, empty. But God still answers. And he satisfies your soul, even in the empty places, the dry places. He says he satisfies your soul in drought. Watch what it says next. Verse 12, those from among you, those who've been refreshed, those who've been restored, those who've been satisfied in the midst of drought shall rebuild. Do we have that verse? Oh yeah, the screen in the back somewhere. Uh, they shall, listen to this, rebuild or build your waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach and restorer of streets to dwell in. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the people that he's ref refreshed and satisfied. See, God doesn't just save you, redeem you, restore you for you. He makes you a repairer. He makes you a restorer. He makes you one that rebuilds former generations and desolations. He can cause you in the midst of a broken season to turn things around. You're a drought breaker. 
You're not just a victim of circumstance, but you're a drought breaker. I love the story I heard recently. A pastor, I've been to his church a couple times, one of the great churches in, in America and impacting the nations. They literally 20 years ago helped start a church planting movement that now has seen over a thousand churches planted right here in the United States. And, and his, his family has an interesting part of our, our story as a nation because one of his ancestors that he descends from is named Mary Surratt, who was the owner of the board house where a plot was conceived to assassinate and kill the President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. And Mary Surratt was actually the first woman in American history to be put to experience a death penalty from the federal government because of her plot and because she was involved in the conspiracy that led to the death of, of Abraham Lincoln. And the family that came from her was known for the next several generations for having criminal activity and, and, and brokenness and loss and relationships. And, and it even came to the place where, where this pastor's grandfather was a well-known bootlegger. And he actually got into a gunfight and killed a man and still had the scars on his body from being shot and wounded by, by a shotgun. But one day in that man's town where this bootlegger was trafficking, in that very town, two ladies showed up who were prayer warriors. And they showed up to a town that was bound by all kinds of issues. And what happened was they showed up and they started a tent revival. Kind of like what we had uh, revival nights with, with Joe's team a couple weeks ago. And they said, but the problem was for these two ladies is nobody wanted to show up. But rather than quitting and leaving town, you know what they did? They said, God, save the meanest man in town. And they started praying. They didn't let drought define their response. They prayed heaven down. And these two ladies prayed for the meanest man in town. Well, that happened to be this pastor's grandfather. And he got saved right after they prayed that. And he came to Jesus and got so radically transformed and delivered and set free by the love and grace of Jesus that that whole community began to be impacted by the word of God. And revival broke out and that man became a pastor. And the amazing thing was not just that his grandson became a pastor, but now today, 30 of his grandchildren are all pastors or involved in ministry, seeing people come to Jesus. L listen to what happened. When those two ladies show up, showed up, they broke the drought over his family. Those two ladies, through their prayer, shifted the future of an entire generation. What can God do with your faith? What can God do when you decide to be the one? Stop worrying about all the people that are acting crazy. <laughs> and you start praying. You start breaking the drought. Because that's, that's who you are. Look at Elijah. Let's go back to the story of Elijah, verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink. For there is the sound of an abundance of rain. This is right after what I read to you last week, where the fire fell down on the sacrifice. The nation turned back. They killed the prophets of Baal. Elijah says to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink. There is the sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. He bowed down on the ground. He put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now and look towards the sea. He went up and he looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times more, he said to him, go again. And then it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And so he said, go up. 
Say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. Can you just say that for me? Can you just say heavy rain? There was a heavy rain. There had been not a drop of rain for three and a half years, but in a moment, God brought heavy rain. Do you know who wasn't surprised by the heavy rain? Elijah. Elijah never once in the story was surprised. Why? Because he had a word from God. I've got three points for you today about drought breakers. Number one is hear the sound. He started his conversation with Ahab, and he said to Ahab, um, Ahab, I want you to know I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. There hadn't even been a drop on the ground, church, but Elijah heard what no one else heard. He, he could tell what was about to take place because he had a promise from God. And can I just tell you, if you've got a promise from God, you've got a word from God, that's all you need. As long as you've got breath in your lungs, you've got, there's no expiration date on your promise, church. Some of us have promises we've carried for 20 years and we've gotten discouraged and thought, well, it's too late for God. It's too late. I've messed up too much. Too much time has passed. But three and a half years of drought wasn't enough to stop the rain. And Elijah is full of faith. And, and he's not some kind of like, you know, sometimes we look at people in the Bible and we think, well, they're super saints, not like us or not like me. But the Bible actually says in the book of James that Elijah was a man with a nature just like you and me. So we had to overcome the same voice in the back of your head that tells you not to believe God's word, that tells you to fear instead of believe. Look at what you see instead of what God has said. So Elijah has a word, and you and I have to hear the sound. We have to know what God's word says. We have the Bible. You've been given the Bible to get into God's word, to know what his word says. That's why I've got to be careful to fill my life more with this than anything else in my life. Anything more than what I watch or what I listen to. I've got to feed on his word because his word feeds my faith. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, I think it is, that faith comes by what? Hearing. If I want more faith, I've got to listen. <laughs> if I want to grow my faith, I've got to hear. Hear the sound. Hear what God's word says. You've been given the word of God. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given everything you need to not live based on what you see, but on what he said. And being a Christian and walking in faith doesn't mean you pretend like the problem isn't there. But it's knowing that you hear something that's greater than anything you see. 2 Corinthians, watch this, 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. I used to think the opposite of faith was fear, and while I believe it can turn into fear, the opposite of faith is actually what you see. Because anybody can live based on what they see and what they feel and, and what's wrong and what's in front of them and what's, what's, what, what their history has been. But it takes faith to believe what God has said in spite of what you see. Elijah didn't get out his rain gauge. He didn't evaluate the conditions. He didn't look at how dry the grass was. He didn't go around and take an opinion poll. Do you think God can bring rain? He heard from God. And all it takes is a word from God to change your family. I'm telling you, church, all it takes is one word from God to change everything. Number two is climb the mountain. Climb the mountain. You know, as I was reading this, 
this week, preparing for this message, there was one thing that stood out to me. And I know there's the miracle, and, it's, and I preach this story many times over the years, and, and, and I, I believe in, in what it teaches about faith, but I just thought this really struck me, this one little detail was it says in verse 42, if we can put that up on the New Living Translation, it says, so Ahab went to eat and drink. And, and, and what kind of, like, it doesn't say his state of mind at the time. But if you look at the verses right before Elijah told Ahab to do this, he just watched all of his Baal prophets put to death. And the whole nation basically said no to what he had led them into and turned back to the living God. It's a good day but not if you're Ahab. And Ahab, in this moment, he just goes and has dinner. Like, I, I don't know, but, but watch what Elijah does. Ahab went to eat and drink. We'll see what happens. I'll be a spectator. I'll check it out. Some people watch from a critical perspective. Well, we'll see if God does it. Some people just settle because doing anything else than settling requires something of them. And so they just coast. But here's what Elijah does. I love the contrast. Ahab goes and sits and eats and drinks. But Elijah climbs. Elijah starts climbing when others were settling. Elijah climbs the mountain. He goes to the place, the very place where fire was just called down, where he just experienced the miracle. In fact, Carmel for him, Mount Carmel represented a place where he would meet with God. And there's got to be a place in your life, and I believe this is absolutely true, 100%. Part of the New Testament is that we have an experience of the Holy Spirit where there's nowhere you can go where God isn't. You can pray to God anywhere. You don't have to be at a temple in Jerusalem or just inside this building or any other place. You can go and talk to God. But I believe there's something absolutely essential in your relationship with Jesus that you have a place that you meet alone with God. Elijah climbed on that mountain. He went up on that place and he met with God. I don't know, maybe to remind himself, maybe to have a different vantage point so he could see further than he could otherwise. I love to. I like to hike mountains. I always that was one of my favorite things about living in Phoenix, and and I would go hike, and and you can see perspective on the top of a mountain that you can't down in the valley. And some of us have spent too much time in the valley, and that's why fear is overcoming us. That's why shame is overcoming us. That's why all these things we don't think things can change, but five minutes on the mountain with God can change everything. Do you know Jesus Himself had to get alone on the mountain? Actually says that. He would often withdraw to a solitary place or to a mountaintop to be alone with the Father. And if Jesus did that, how much more do we need to do that to have a place in our lives where we meet with God? Keep climbing. Well, I haven't seen it yet. Keep climbing. Don't settle. Can I just talk to all the people for a moment who you've been pressing in over the last two years, even as a part of our team? And we've seen God do some amazing things. You know what's really easy to do is to settle to stop pressing, to stop pressing in prayer, stop pressing in faith, but, but, you know, just coasting on what's happened, and that's okay, and that's good to celebrate it, but I believe there's so much more that God wants to do in front of all of us, and for your life and your family, keep pressing, keep climbing the mountain. He gets up on the mountain, and why he has to do that is he has to position himself in prayer. He bows down. Elijah bows down. 
It was something about his posture that he had to position himself in, in faith, in dependence to say, God, I know you can do this. I know I need, I need you to answer. Well, that's just not my personality. <laughs> that's just not who I am. That's just not, no. Well, Elijah gets so wholly desperate, not desperate in a bad way, but in a good way. He gets so ready for God to do something. He's so convinced that God's going to answer that he gets down, bows down. He gets into a posture and a position where he's about to pray heaven down. And then he does something that I think is important. He tells his servant, the guy who's with him, hey, go and check. Go and look for something. Go and look for evidence that the prayer has been answered. He doesn't stop praying until he sees the answer. Well, I tried, you know, there was, there was a one time 25 years ago, I, I prayed about that. Don't stop praying until you see the answer. Come on, there's just something that, that I think we're missing in our generation when we just, you know, I believe God answers prayers instantly. I've seen it. It's happened in this room. We've seen miracles. We've seen people healed and restored and marriages made whole. We've seen lives come to Jesus that were so far from God. He's done it. He can do it. He'll do it again. But just because you haven't seen it yet doesn't mean you stop. He says, go look again, and he does. He looks, and he comes back, and he says something that discourages a lot of us when we've prayed. But we haven't seen the answer yet. He comes back, and he says, there's nothing. Nothing, not a cloud in the sky, not a drop of rain. There's nothing. Elijah could have said, well, I guess I missed it. Time to give up. (laughs) No, he... He says, go look again. He prays. He says, go look again. He does it seven times. Seven times he says, look again. He never changes his faith. He never, he never reduces his faith to what he's seen and hasn't seen. He says, look again. And, and Elijah's servant finally comes back and says, well, something's happening. But it's not much. It's just a little cloud. Elijah says, that's it. Third and final point is look for the cloud. Look for the cloud. See, in God's kingdom, sometimes things in our life, some answers even seem to start small. We pray for something to happen and and God begins to move, but it looks smaller than we'd expect. We're praying for that family member, but we're not seeing an instant change right away. And and we're wondering, God, do you still answer? Do Do you still change lives? Do you know the kingdom is described by Jesus in Matthew 13? He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a little mustard seed, which though it's the least, gets planted in the ground, and it becomes greater than all the herbs, and all these, and it becomes a tree that birds can come and settle in the branches. And what's the picture? What starts small and would be undervalued by people is great in God's sight and can have a great impact beyond its beginnings. And some of us are thinking, God can't use me because I don't have much or I don't have many talents or skills or gifts or whatever. And we, we, we under-evaluate God has given us his kingdom purpose, his kingdom potential. And some of us don't start because we have to start small. You keep praying. Watch what God will do. You start praying for that family member and and you start seeing little things begin to happen. Don't get discouraged if everything doesn't change right away. Keep praying. You're just looking for the cloud. 
Elijah was so convinced about the promise of God that he just was looking. And when rain came, he wasn't surprised. He was looking for the cloud. Zechariah 4.10 says, Don't despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I'm calling to some drought breakers here this morning. Whatever God has called you to break, whatever God has called you to see transformed, that you begin right where you're at. To pray faith-filled prayers, not based on what you see, but based on what God has said. We, we moved here in 2020. We moved here in April during the 14-day shutdown. God gave us a word in 2019. We'd actually had a word. I had carried a word about this church for 15 years. But we had a specific word in, in the fall of 2019 and had no idea that we'd be saying yes to that word at one of the weirdest times in our lives. But when we showed up and everything was crazy and all of us have experienced crazy in the last two years in different ways. In fact, I, I believe a lot of people are burnt out just because of the emotional and the spiritual toll that life is taking right now. But you know what God always brought me back to? Especially in the very beginning. Like we, we, we drove here with our, our, our family's minivan that had a Florida license plate. We were coming from the hot spot. So I had to hide it. <laughs> like, hey, we're going to start a church. And we were like, I don't want to gather with more than 10 people. But you know what I kept going back to was what he had said. And you know what you need to go back to in your life and your situation is the word. What God has promised. He will guide you continually. He will satisfy your soul in drought. He will save. He will redeem. He will restore. That's who Jesus is. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Elijah is a man with a nature just like yours, just like mine. But when he prayed, heaven gave its rain. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down. And I'm believing today that we're going to see some drought broken over your life and your family, over your season. Are you burnt out? Are you hurting? Do you need hope? Well, I'd like to point you again to Jesus. Because it's what he does. He's the hope giver. Too much of the church is getting caught up in just what's happening around us. Instead of what God's saying. And what he wants to do. We have an opportunity in front of us right now to see people come to Jesus. Probably like no other time in our lifetime. And he's doing it. And you have a part to play in that. And I believe that God wants to do something great in your family. Maybe just like that pastor's grandfather. Those two ladies came and they were drought breakers and they prayed heaven down. And that one man gets saved. It changed generations after. Maybe God will use your prayers to change somebody else's generations. Maybe it's yours. 
Let God rewrite the story. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.